Good morning. morning. A warm welcome this morning. We'll begin our service of Holy Eucharist on the first page of your seasonal booklet. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. Have mercy upon us. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. Have mercy upon us. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. Have mercy on us. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things for which our unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. Through the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. Reading from Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them. He stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. The word of the Lord. Let's say together Psalm 15 in your booklet. Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle, who may abide upon your holy hill, whoever leads a blameless life and does what is right, who speaks the truth from his heart. There is no guile upon his tongue. He does no evil to his friend. He does not heap contempt upon his neighbor. In his sight, the wicked is rejected but he honors those who fear the Lord. He has sworn to do no wrong, 
and does not protect his word. He does not give his money in hope of gain, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things shall never be overthrown. The second reading is from Paul to the Galatians. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present your holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission, that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There 
need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. <clears throat> In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think we have a physical sign of how Christ descended from heaven. <laughs> you know, there's probably just about three times in my life that I'm glad I'm under 5'6", and maybe that's one of them. You know, I've been a Christian my entire life. I was baptized at four months old at Grace Episcopal Church in Winfield, Kansas. And I'm somebody who loves Jesus. I love the church. I love God's people, usually. <laughs> I've dedicated my life to this way of being. I pray and I study scripture, all the things. Despite all this, I have to admit something, which is I have never actually heard or seen God. Okay, yes, I have sensed those times in my life where, okay, God, I get that this thing that I am perceiving is you speaking to me in a roundabout way. I've had those moments. What I mean is, I've never had that voice from heaven or a vision moment uh, that some people talk about. It. And... I always find it a little bit odd and fascinating when I'll occasionally hear Christians say, and I was praying and God told me to buy that lottery ticket. <laughs> hey, you hear that? I mean, you know, God hasn't even gone and told me to buy a gallon of milk yet. I had a priest friend who used to say, you know, I don't need a burning bush. But, you know, a match might be nice. I actually find this really frustrating because when I hear people say things like that, I think one of two things. One, I internalize it. And I think, well, either I'm not doing something right, or two, they're just making this stuff up. Now, I will grant that people may have also different gifts, and maybe I just don't have that gift. And to be fair, I may have gifts of my own, as do all of you. But I always wonder, when people say that, when Christians talk about those kind of moments, how that is perceived, not just among other Christians, but among, uh, among people outside of the faith. And yet, Scripture tells us about these moments where people are steeped in the presence of God. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. It's a really wonderful story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. God appears to Abraham in the flesh, in the form of three people. Any guesses why it's three people? There you go. Jim gets a sticker for the day. Right. No, you got the right answer. Come on. Well, so Christian theology has long held that this is a manifestation of the Trinity. One of the 
perhaps most tangible appearances of the fullness of God in all of Scripture. And how does Abraham respond? Abraham responds by offering God hospitality, washing of feet, rest, and food. In a way, this is very reflective of Martha's response in the gospel. Here's Martha, who is the one being the practical sister, the practical things that a guest needs. But getting back to Abraham, it's not just about hospitality here. There's something else happening that's not in this particular snippet of passage that we got today, but in the overarching narrative of Abraham. <clears throat> and that was that Abraham at one point had been Abram. And God had told Abram, not only should you change your name, but I will make you the father of many nations. And that, friends, was 25 years before God decided to show back up at this point. 25 years. Think back, what were you doing 25 years ago? How long of time was that? It was 1997, uh, if you think back in our point. And not only was he waiting all of this time, but Abraham was almost 100 years old at this point. So not only is Abraham waiting, all of this time to be a father of one, let alone the father of many nations. But he's, at this point, a century old, and his wife is not much younger, only about 10 years younger, well past childbearing age. Now, this we can talk a lot about Abraham's faith, and I think that really is what this passage is about. But God's promise those many years ago must have been so powerful as well to sustain Abraham with faith all of those years. And yet, even with such a powerful message, you can't discount. 25 years, it's a long time to have faith. And when God showed up, the wonderful part about this is Abraham didn't say, where have you been for the last two and a half decades? You know, I've been waiting around no, he didn't. He greeted God with joy. Slaughter the fatted calf. Bake the best goods. Sit, rest, let me wash your feet. Isn't that a wonderful response to this encounter with God? To just live in joy that finally God's promise is going to be fulfilled. Getting back to Mary and Martha, the story can be a little bit perplexing and probably frustrating to read as well. Martha does all of the work of hospitality, and you just gotta love this. Lord, I'm doing all the work. Can you tell my lazy sister to get up and help out? It feels like we kind of want to empathize with Martha a little bit on this one. And yet... At the end, what does Jesus say? Mary has chosen the right path. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> like many biblical narratives, I think this passage is intended to be shocking. 
I think we as the reader are supposed to read this and feel some sympathy for Martha and think, okay, right, hospitality, that's the right answer. Sitting around just listening, that's the wrong answer. And it's one of those places where Jesus flips the narrative upside down and makes us think a little bit. So it's not to discount Martha, but, I, but this is done on purpose. The lesson of the story should not be, don't worry about serving the guests. The lesson of the story is like the same one of Abraham. It is about just being in God's presence. There's a wonderful story, and it comes from the Eastern Orthodox tradition. I think it comes from Russia, about where somebody asks one of these uh, wise spiritual directors called Staritz, uh, if God is everywhere, why would I need to go into a church? And the response is, water is everywhere, but if you're thirsty, you need to go to a well. Quite often, churches get caught up in what we do. And that's an important, and doing is important. A church without programs or outreach is one that isn't always fully alive, but we're not about our programs and our outreach. I mean, if you want programs and outreach, there, you know, there's the Lions Club, there's Rotary and all those things. Doing is important, but what we are about is not just doing. I had a friend who was actually a Unitarian pastor who said one time, remember that you are a human being, not a human doing. <laughs> And us gathered as the faithful, as the body of Christ, we are gathered to be a worshiping community. Those who are here are to be in God's presence. Now, maybe we can't always physically hear or see God. Maybe never will even. We probably won't have God walk up to us in the flesh like Abraham and Sarah or Mary and Martha. But in our gathering, we hear God's word, we experience God in the sacrament. In praying together, we are in communal conversation with God and in community, we have a palpable sense of God's presence. These biblical encounters with the divine are exceptional. That's why they get in the Bible. But that does not mean that God is not present to us in our faith life as well as Christians. When we come together to join in word and sacrament, when the body of Christ is gathered and receives the body of Christ, we are like Mary in that moment where we are choosing the better path. And just like Mary, that will not be taken away from us. The better path is one that is open to God, listening in ways that are different than what we might expect. So we gather and come together in the presence of God and the practice of our faith, like Abraham, like Mary, is one of simply being in God's presence. And that's why we're here today. Amen. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, 
You can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the Cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.